Hello and welcome to the Everything Is Black and White podcast. It's time for our match preview. I'm Andrew Musgrove and as usual, joined by John Gibson. Newcastle welcome Brighton to St. James's Park for a traditional three o'clock kickoff thing that is very rare in these days in the Premier League, but we are looking forward to it, John, especially with Newcastle in such good form. And they, they face a Brighton side, John, who are not in the best run of form themselves, have lost the last three games. And we're going to start with maybe a big reason for that, and that is the fact that Dan Byrne headed back home up to Tyneside <laughs> and has been brilliant ever since for the black and whites, whereas Brighton have shipped far too many goals for their managers. Like, and, and you probably have to say it's because Byrne's no longer there. Ironic, isn't it, from their point of view? Um, you know, they were held up as the shining light that every side should aspire to outside of the Champions League teams and rightly so Paul had done a terrific job etc etc but now they've lost three on the trot and the fact that they lost to Man U well that can happen you could argue etc etc but losing to Burnley and Aston Villa on the bounce uh, scoring no goals five conceded is a bit of an eye-opener and they're coming out of sorts we are completely in the groove with Byrne it's all about Dan Byrne this weekend isn't it uh, you know it's so much about him the, the, it's a wonderful story the kid from Blythe who was at Newcastle as a schoolboy ended up like a piece of spaghetti he was so tall and gangly and he's outgrown himself and, and he said he was understood why Newcastle let him go. He then made it the hard way, Darlington, Fulham, Brighton, and now back home for Newcastle and has been absolutely outstanding. The thing is, of course, that while we are in good form and they aren't, we've got to bury them because they've been a jinx to us. Brighton are a jinx to us. I mean, um, I think we've played them something like 11 times in the Premier League, home and away, and we've never won. And they've come up here four times in the Premier League, won two and drawn two. I mean, last season was a nightmare. 3-0 up here and 3-0 down there. An absolute nightmare. So we owe them one. And Dan Byrne has been part of that squad that's been tucking us up. And now it's his turn to tuck them up on our behalf. So we've got to look for the end of that. But it is intriguing. And it is important, perhaps more so than ever, because... With the Crystal Palace game now off, uh, the home game, because they're in the quarterfinals of the FA Cup, that has helped ease the pressure on a lot of games in a short space of time, but it's taken away our next home game, and so we've got a lot of away matches on the bounce at the end of this. And yes, our form away from home, I mean, the beginning of the year, we couldn't buy an away victory. But we won at Leeds, we've drawn at West Ham when we were the best team and they were a top five club and we've beaten Brentford, so the way form's good. But you still expect to lose some time on the road when you're away and we've got a way followed by a way followed by a way. So three points at home is very special and very necessary, I guess. Mm. Let's keep on Dan Byrne because he has been absolutely marvellous since his arrival. I'll be honest, when his name was first touted and the, the story started again, bit of momentum it was one of those you kind of go okay I, did, I didn't know much about him I hadn't watched yeah, him yeah 
I spoke to my colleague Richie Mills who covers Brighton uh, down there on the south coast and if you haven't listened to that podcast just search Introducing Dan Byrne and Richie tells us all about Dan Byrne and he was raving about him you know he said it was how big of a loss it would be for Brighton mm. and everything he said positively about Dan Byrne has, has come true you know he said he was in the form of his career and he and that's continued in yeah. the black and white shirt of Newcastle and he has just been he's been outstanding you know I think to come in under the radar because I think many Newcastle United fans would have probably been in my boat where they go, I didn't know too much about him. You know, yeah, he's, he's not as Van Bottom and he's not a big name on the European continent. But he's coming in and by goodness me, he hasn't half improved that defence. I mean, Trippier and Bruno were the um, showpiece signings. Yeah, the big names. Uh, they were the ones that uh, were expected. Wood and Burn were what I call building blocks that you've got to have that, Keegan did exactly the same with the entertainers. You have your building blocks in, they give you a foothold in the lower reaches of the division, and then when you get higher, they're perhaps not there. And really, Burners has been everything and more than what we expected, and Woods found it so much mm. tougher. You mentioned there the building blocks, and it's quite interesting. I suppose you may be referencing maybe Brian Kincline when he came he, in. That. Yeah, a perfect example. And we had this conversation, I had it with Richie on that previous episode, and I think we've even discussed it. You know, what does the future hold for Dan Byrne? You know, like you say, some people see him as a building block, but the form of the last of, of his first few games at Newcastle, he could very well be the leading centre back based on the past few games going forward two, three years down the line. He just looks. He looks t- a top oh, I, I think I think he will be, but age and ability tells you that by the time you win the Premier League or the Champions League, and don't smile because that's Newcastle, but but that would be the aim under these owners that you know perhaps he wouldn't be in that side, but he is good enough to last longer than say Wood will at well, centre forward. That, yeah. he, he will last longer in the Newcastle side that goes forward than Woodwill uh, without a shadow and he would be in the side that goes mid-table that pushes to get into the Europa League around he would hold his own comfortably in that side by the time the real honours come age-wise and everybody can be improved that's what football's all about but uh, Dan would last longer in the side than um, Chris Woodwill. Mm, not a short-term fix. We can't see in the summer maybe two top-quality centre-backs coming in, Dan Byrne going out. Of course, form can change in that time. But fingers crossed he continues mm. on the path he is on. What's been really good to see as well is Fabian Cher. You know, people listening to this podcast know I've been a really tough critic of Cher, but yep. he's been superb over the last few games. And you have to say as well, a large part down to probably Dan Byrne coming in and just offering a bit of uh, leadership and a bit of guidance beside him, do you think? Well, what you get from Dan Burns, what you see, you know that he's going to attack the ball, you know he's going to make the minimum of mistakes, you know where he's going to be, he's not going to go missing. It's, it's a tremendous reassurance for the guy that's alongside him. He knows what he's going to do. When it was Lascelles and, and Shaw, you're wondering, oh, what's going to happen? Is he going to get under the ball on headers, etc., etc.? Um, the left side has been shown up of the Newcastle back four with Target and Byrne. So then you can get your centre-half knows what he's doing. And, and Shaw knows he can make those breaks because Byrne's going to drop in. Byrne's going to be the guy on the burning bridge, no pun intended, when when Shaw charges forward, as he did 
it um, Brentford for the second goal. He knows he can go because he knows the guy's standing there. <laughs> I mean, when you watch that goal back, you just think, wait there, Newcastle were defending a corner. Oh, that that is the wonderful <laughs> thing about this Newcastle United side because when, when we defended a corner in the past, nine lads were back in our penalty area and it took them 10 minutes to leave the penalty area because we were concerned about opening up, etc. The counter-attack was phenomenal. Tremendous and, touch by Cher to get around the defender. that's what he's good at, isn't yeah. it? He, he, he has got, for a centre-half, he's got a terrific touch. And the thing is, when you go, I used to talk, when the entertainers were playing, I used to talk to Darren Peacock because... Philip Albert used to do what Shaw did down at Brentford when he broke for the goal. Philip Albert would go, but he would go because he knew that Peacock was there looking after the bridge and would be standing there and would cover if a counter was launched. He knew where he was. Newcastle, before Byrne came into the side, weren't sure. They sent about, where's, where's my partner? Where, are we too far apart? Or, you, they, were, they were afraid. It's different now. And that, I mean, Newcastle, the sweep from a corner, they're defending and score at the other end as quickly and as ruthlessly as he did, was an absolute joy to behold. Mm, tremendous finish by Joe Willick. And we will, of course, get on to Joe Willick in a moment I, you always felt with Cher that he just needed that kind of calming influence because sometimes mm. he can be a bit rash and you don't want to take that totally from someone's game but you do need that calming influence and Dan Burns certainly seems to have provided that that leads on to the first question about Saturday John about team selection we saw Newcastle yep. go to a back five against Brentford later on in the game the sales was brought on Big questions over whether, you know, is that the formation you can see happening on Saturday, five at the back, or will they stick with four as it did from the beginning at Brentford? Does Jamal Lascelles come back in, or do you keep the pairing of Cher and Byrne? Lascelles doesn't come back in. Bruno doesn't start, and St Maximum doesn't start. Who would think they would be our bench? St Maximum doesn't start. Doesn't start. Because if you've adopted as... Eddie Howe has, very successfully, I might add, where he goes to the team and he says, if you do a job for me, and if we collectively get the result, you stay in the team. Now, he's proved that with Bruno, £40 million Brazilian international, current international, not former international, comes here, and in four games, he hasn't got a start yet. We Who would have said that we would have Bruno, £40 million on the bench. The skipper returns from injury, doesn't go straight back in the team on the bench. So Maximum returns from injury and does go in the team. Can you imagine what Bruno and Lascelles are going to be saying to her? Wait a minute, I thought there was a policy in this club that you don't go back in, that you've told the lads that are in there, and then all of a sudden you make a different rule for for another player. Um, Newcastle could be in the unthinkable position of having that top uh, signing um, in terms of money, Bruno, the skipper, and the best uh, creative attacker on the bench on Saturday. But I, I don't think he'll go for... You certainly won't. He shouldn't go for five it at home against Brighton. He, he, he's Shaw and Shaw and Byrne have earned the right to be the centre two of a four. The three midfielders have earned the right to stay in the side. 100%. Joe Linton scored. Willock scored. Shelby's done his job. How do you drop one of them for Bruno to start? And 
if if you feel that the front is done well, you say to Murphy, you're out automatically. That doesn't just affect Murphy. That affects the the situation where Bruno and Lascelles can be extremely unhappy because you haven't granted that to them. Yeah. Um, if if Eddie's consistent, and Eddie is, I don't think he'll probably start with some maximum as much as I might have been tempted to because of what he brings to the table etc it is not part of the philosophy that that he's shown so far well in that case I assume the next question is a pretty simple one it's going to be unchanged is it the team for Saturday I think it it ought to be yes um I think I think that we'll probably see Bruno and some maximum introduced when Newcastle lose a game. Now, let us hope that is outside of injuries, um, producing an opening, of course, and that may come, and I hope it doesn't, against either Southampton or or Chelsea away, that follows this, two very, very difficult games. And then you could see Bruno come in, St Maximum come in, etc. You mentioned there the wingers, you mentioned Jacob Murphy, he's done a more than decent job of placing Alan St Maximum and then you mentioned he's not as good as him. Yeah, oh no, he's not. He's not. But he's, but you know, he's done the I job. Think, yeah, he's, he's gone and, he, and he's he's done a decent enough job to show that you know it's not the the end of the world if St. Maximin is injured or out of sure, form. Of course, sure. we want St. Maximin fit and on form. Yeah, also, but, by the way, giving the message to St. Maximum, you're not indispensable. You're yes. not running this team. You know because. We know what Maxi's like. I mean, you know, you can walk on water. He's, he, 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 we love him for it, but he's full of his own importance, etc. This tells him, by the way, you know, this isn't some maximum in 10 others. You're part of a team. Yeah, and you've got to keep putting in the performances. Ryan Fraser is the man on the other side. Yep. He's been nominated for the Player of the Month, Premier yep. League Player of the Month for February. Fully deserved. Now, John, you... Always said on this podcast, you just wanted Ryan Fraser to realise his potential. Yes, to, to to do what we all know he can do. Absolutely, fair to say. The last month he's done just that. Filled a bit, uh, filled a bit because we've always said him. I've always said amongst my criticism of him, why I am irritated is because he's got so much ability, and then you know there's people that haven't got innate the visibility but work their socks off and I looked at him last season and he went missing his body language was awful he had a problem with that he's now got a problem or he's had a problem with Steve Clark because it, in the Scottish side etc 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 but he's got so much ability and he's worked so hard he is deservedly up for player of the month he's worked so hard I'm sure that last season you know when he when he was he only played about nine games or something I'm sure he was he was six foot four and he's five foot four now because he's worked himself into the ground literally he has been absolutely terrific he has come off exhausted. Uh, recently after the games he's put in so much work and he's been a joy and Joe Linton's been a joy and Willock's been a joy and Shaw's been a joy and we never thought we'd say that well here we go so you also quite a quick call of Joe Linton and he's turned it around yep so let's say 
That, you know, we have to hope now, maybe you criticise Emil Kraft, he might turn into a world-class right back. Well, I mean, we've got to... I mean, by the way, the Joe Linton was fully justified... Oh, of course, yeah. ...when he was a centre-forward. He's not a centre-forward now. and Isn't it wonderful? And he deserves it. I mean, look at the, the length of the field he ran when he... I mean, to love in with the fans now. Mm. The fans looked at him as a centre-forward and thought... Oh, 40 million and he's wearing the shirt that was worn by Shearer and Supermark and War Jackie. This is ludicrous. Uh, but he's become, and he scores with a wonderful header. It a was a tremendous a header, wasn't it? Brilliant, brilliant header. Sheer esque. And he ran all the way back to the Newcastle fans. I mean, the rest of the team who were chasing him to jump on his back gave up. <laughs> it was too long a run. They said, well, off you go. And at the end of the game, when they went over to the fans again to salute them, he was the last off. I think the rest of the players were in the dressing room and had their shower before Joe Linton turned round and, and walked off. Uh, and it's wonderful to see because he's worked hard and so has Eddie Howe with him. Worked hard to get the way he is. And yes, I would like to think Shaw's taken us by surprise by Walrus knew he was good on the ball, etc., etc. But he had a mistake in him. And it, it often gave away all sorts of things or, or got a red card or gave away a goal, etc., etc. Um, Shelby looked at Trundler that couldn't get round the park. I don't think Shelby's actually getting enough praise for the way he's been recently. Wonderful. because. His, Wonderful. He, he looks Wonderful. fitter, stronger than he's ever been. He's up and down. He's he's putting the miles in. Because on the pitch. if he because if he doesn't, Bruno's in his position, and then he's yesterday's man. It's amazing how a bit of good competition will concentrate a mind, and it has done that. I mean, I would like we. There's a time when I thought Shaw cutting out all his mistakes. Joe Linton, when he was a centre forward, being as good as he is now, etc. Um, etc. Et Fraser committing himself to running his blood to water when he had the attitude that he had that season. We've got to hope that's going to rub off on Kraft and that's going to rub off on Chris Wood and they might become the players that the others have just become. And I'll meet you on, don't forget, Miggy. I have forgotten. <laughs> um, but it's interesting that you mention quite a few players because they all had their critics. Joe Linson, Fraser, Absolutely. Cher, you know, all these players. Willock at the Willick, beginning of yeah. the season. Shelby obviously had had, had his Shelby. critics, you know, and you look at now and you think, goodness me, these players are performing at the top of the game and they've all played key roles in Newcastle dragging themselves away from That's the That's why we've got zone. the bench that we've been talking about. Indeed, and it leads us on to the next point that Eddie Howe has been nominated for Manager of the Month for February. Quite rightly so. And the fact we're talking about that those players who were heavily criticised, not just by us, but across various platforms of the podcasts and what have you, and justified as well, we're now talking about them as, as like top, it's, top players. It's unbelievable. How much of that is down to Eddie? How do you think? Huge amount. Um, he's got to take the major credit. He was the guy that saw Joe Linton as a midfield. When he was playing centre forward, not so much when he was wide and playing on the left side, um, but when he was centre forward with a number nine shirt on the back, who would have said, this fella's got all the makings of a midfield player? I like the fact that I was the first to say it press-wise in a column I did was where I said, how about them playing in a different position a few yards further back 
I had talked at great length to a coach that I know who I treasure his opinion and would discuss Joe Linton and we thought that was a possibility and lo and behold that's what um, what Eddie did and he's responded to it terrifically um, and Eddie Howe must take credit for working one-on-one I mean he got a hold of Joe Le- uh, Willick and found out how homesick he was he was living out in the sticks he was a lad from London desperate for his family For and these things matter to players he found out and he's produced these unbelievable improvements in players two minor things that I think get over and Eddie Howe has got so much praise for that and rightly so he's transformed it where Steve Bruce never saw this. He's transformed it. But two of the things I think have had in, in, a minor influence on it. One is if you get good players in around them, if you get Target in and you get Burn in, shall be better. If you get Trippier in, then the guy in front of him will be better. Uh, the three midfielders, Bruno's in, absolute quality. He'll prove himself to be well worth the money long term you get Bruno in the three midfield players have got to sharpen up which one of of us is going to go out for Bruno Um, so you get a difference but I would also think that let us not lose sight of the fact that and give credit to each individual player you cannot say last season when they were hopeless oh Joe Linton's hopeless it's his fault it's it's Shaw's fault. It's Shelby's fault. And then when they're good, or oh, it's Eddie Howe to to let us say well done, Joe Linton. Well done, Shelby, because they've also taken it apart. It is driven by Eddie Howe. There's no question about that in my mind. But let us also say well done, Joe Linton, <coughs> for getting your mind right, for going with the flow, for being open-minded for producing a response, well done to Shelby, well done to Shaw, because how can't do it on his own? If he hasn't got a receptive ear that he's, that he's pounding, it's not going to work. Uh, and these people have wanted to. So let's give them credit as well as Eddie. Yeah, for taking the instructions on board. There was a tremendous football focus interview uh, last weekend with Eddie Howe, and he was telling... The, uh, the interview about how the players have taken on board the instructions, how they've taken yeah. on, you know, the ethos of Eddie Howe and, and Tyndall and what they want to achieve. And like you say, you know, they can relay the instructions, but you have to have players willing to listen Absolutely. and willing to work hard as well. And you can see that and just how fit they look and there's a determination there. I don't think anyone ever doubted the what? effort. It's how, you, you know what it is as well, Andrew? It's how unfit they were originally. Yes. As much as how fit they are now, Scary, it's how unfit it? yeah. they were originally. That's where it looks so different. I want to just uh, go through the shortlist for the manager of the month. So, as we mentioned, Eddie Howe has been nominated. He's on the shortlist for the February's Barclays Manager of the Month. Uh, Mikel Arteta, Ralph Hazelhuttle, and Jurgen Klopp are the other three names nominated. Um, <laughs> the, the funny thing is, though, and we know how good Newcastle United fans are at this, it goes down to who wins the vote and the public vote. So I suspect, even though, I mean, he thoroughly deserves it, I suspect it might be a landslide win for Eddie Howe. 
Um, <laughs> I, I certainly hope so because uh, you know Klopp God bless him I love him but he, he's he's had how many of these awards and how many trophies you know give it a rest Jürgen go off and uh, you know celebrate winning the League Cup on penalties uh, funny enough the the other guy will probably be the Southampton guy mm. who's made a bit they've a, had a bit of a difference big turnaround where we've come from and come to Unless there was a bias against Newcastle, which we suspect that there is all over the country outside of Tyneside, that that seemed to you know uh, seemed to not want Newcastle to be successful. But if if the fans have got a show in it, the jolly fans will make certain that it goes to Eddie And by the way, regardless of that, I think it's thoroughly deserved to yes. be Eddie House because he's turned it from. A pig's ear in, into something of beauty. Yeah, one hundred percent. And you genuinely deserves it. I'll put the link uh, to the vote in the podcast comments, so you guys can jump on and place your vote. Um, I just want to briefly just mention the Brentford game. Obviously, Newcastle had the man advantage from very early on. Yeah, it was a horrendous challenge. A deserved red card after the, the whole VR debacle. Um, and it was a it was a different sign again of an Eddie Howe side. You know, we've seen them dominate games. We've seen them defend with their backs against the wall. Playing ten men, it can be difficult, and teams often get caught into that trap. And then the, the, the side with you know ten men, you know, sneak a result. But Newcastle took the game to Brentford. They dominated it, and they thoroughly deserved the win. And what I did like was, I think Joe Willick mentioned in his post game comments, he said Eddie Howe at half-time said, go and get three, go and get four. It wasn't a case, right, we've got two, let's sit back and contain them. Of course, Newcastle didn't end up going and adding more to their goal tally after the break. But that is, I think that's something that would really please Newcastle United fans, that you have a manager who doesn't want to part the bus. Sure. He wants to go and add more goals to, to, to the scoreline. Sure. Um, and a lot of outsiders, so-called neutrals, the the big-name people that have a dip at Newcastle left, right and centre whenever they get the chance, would say, oh yes, Newcastle won the game because they played 80 minutes against 10 men or whatever. I believe that Newcastle United would have won that match in any case. Yeah. They are the informed side. Brentford had got one point out the last 21. I'd been trumpeting on saying this side's coming down into the... In, they're the fallers. They're going to come down into the mire down at the bottom. And said last week, if we beat them, they... That confirms. They've got one point out of 24 now. We were always going to beat them down there, in my eyes, and had to readjust because they're going to go two walls against us once they're down to 10 men. Um, and we did brilliant. And the, the second goal was so wonderful. The first goal was a wonderful header by Joe Lynn. But the second one, from their corner, with Shaw, the breaker, and Willick, just coming through the Fantastic middle. Fantastic finish. Oh, a wonderful. Two and two, is he going on a run like last season? Fingers crossed. But what you notice about that finish, it was a confident finish. Oh, I mean, a month ago, that was ending up in the outside stands. Outside of his foot, because the confidence yeah. is back. He's, 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 oh, I mean, yes, he has he improved game by game recently, startlingly so. Um, and that was a, a terrific thing. And we need that sort of midfield support for the front if the front's not scoring, uh, i.e. 
uh, Chris Wood. He might have other assets and uh, be helping the team, and that's great. But at the moment, he's not scoring goals. So Willock or someone else has to score goals, yeah. and he did. And, and two of our midfielders, Joe Linton and Willock, got the goals. And uh, the secret of good sides is to get a certain number of goals from midfield throughout the season all the time. Hmm. I mean, the header from Joe Linton, we've already mentioned it, but it was Shearer-esque. I can watch it on repeat over and over again. It was a fantastic I hope header. Chris Wood was watching it because <laughs> he, he needs to produce the headers like that as well. Fingers crossed this Saturday Wood can get his first Newcastle United goal. Um, I just want to look at the relegation picture. So Newcastle up to 14th on 25 points. They're four points from 18th. But a big result, John, this week was Burnley getting beat yep. off Leicester <laughs> very late on two late, late goals. And there was a huge sigh of relief, I think, from everyone on Tyneside. Where yeah, we, we do love Vardy. He, he made the first one and scored the second one and he's been missing out of their side and he proved the difference between the two sides yeah. in the end for me. Massive result because Burnley are irritating. <laughs> Unless you're a Burnley fan, they're irritating because they're very hard to beat. They don't leak goals. If they lose, it's normally 1-0. Vardy mm. took it away to 2-0. But if you look at their goals against record... They don't leak. They don't score goals, but they don't leak goals, and they are an irritant. And that was a big, big result for us because they'd gone to Brighton and won three, and we're thinking, they were in oh, good form. Oh yeah, we're thinking here they go, and they may well get out of the if the bottom three. It could well be Brentford with the other two when the, the count comes in May. <coughs> Burnley might well, and I don't mind. As long as we don't go down, I don't mind who survives, um, as long as we do. And the other big news, <clears throat> Bielsa sacked by Leeds after... Yeah, all is going to happen. As we we've been talking on this, Andrew, for a few weeks now, the two sides that were hurtling down the side of the mountain were Leeds and Brentford. And you always felt with Leeds that... <clears throat> and I said, I think it was last week, I don't think Leeds will survive and I don't think Bielsa will survive, but I didn't expect them to necessarily go this quickly. But when you let in as many goals as he did again... 17 in the last oh, four. I mean, it's frightening. It is frightening. And uh, yes, they've had injuries like Phillips and the centre-forward Bamford and whatever. But the way Bielsa plays, and I think I said this last week, the way Bielsa plays demands so much on physical fitness, demands so much on blind belief of players in what he is asking them to do. And you can only do that for so long. And his club record, he's never been at a club, he's of a certain age, but yet he's never been at a club as long as he's been at Leeds. He goes in, he gets a huge turnaround, a huge response, and he gets out. Um, and therefore it was going to happen and the amazing thing is you know how many managers who have lost four in the bounce and leaked goals like a sieve uh, have the fans of that club have been in tears when he's been sacked and yet Bielsa is so well thought of in Leeds the Leeds fans are in genuine mourning to see him go and say thanks very much for everything you've done for us it can depending on how good this manager is and if there's any response from the players to him, um, it can be difficult for this manager or you'll get the bounce back where he tightens things up and, and, and they pull away from the relegation situation. I just feel 
dangerously so. I just feel that we're not going to be part of the relegation fight and I feel a little bit detached from it. Dangerous thing to say when you, when after we'll play Brighton, we've got to go in in three days, play Southampton and Chelsea both away. That's tough. That is tough. So we shouldn't be talking quite like that yet, but I do believe Newcastle will have enough to get out of it. Leeds have made their play now. I think there's only, if you look at all the teams at the bottom and forgetting Brentford who have just fallen into it, there's only Burnley with Dice who, who have not changed their manager, including it changing up in Newcastle, of course. Um, and that's inevitable for teams at the bottom, but Dice is the master... He's the Houdini of the Premier League, isn't he? And so they, they were going to stick with him. Yeah, Bielsa replaced by Jesse Marsh. We'll see how that one goes. Um, just a bit of admin. If you don't already like and follow the podcast, please do. You can do that on Apple, Spotify, or most podcast providers. And leave us a rating and review if you get the chance as well. It's totally free to subscribe. just means with every new episode we upload, you'll get a notification to say it's ready to download or listen to. And leaving a rating and review just lets us get the shows out to a wider audience. And we've got some big plans as well for everything that's back in my podcast coming up, hopefully next month. A couple of new shows to introduce which we'll, of course, get to and when we launch them. So keep an eye out for that. On to Brighton, John, and we will have um, an insight into Brighton on the channel tomorrow with Richie Mills, who I've mentioned previously. He's going to introduce us to Brighton and how they've got on since Dan Byrne and, of course, Dan Ashworth has left and plenty other things to discuss. But on Brighton, I read interestingly on the BBC website while I was just having a bit of a, a research, a bit of a look at them, and there was a claim here, and I, I, it says, the problem seems to be when Brighton face teams who want to defend. The suggestion is that if, if teams like to attack, Brighton can open them up and, 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 and do quite well. So I'm, I'm thinking and I'm looking at Newcastle, and they don't necessarily like to defend, but they don't necessarily like to attack. They're somewhere kind of in between. Mm. So how do you think the game's going to shape up if indeed that is Brighton's main issue? Well, Newcastle have always been looked on as a counter-attacking side in the modern times. They're less so now. They certainly aren't obsessed with defending like they were under Steve Bruce, but they are able to defend. One of the reasons we're doing so well is if you look, we've only let in about four goals in the last seven games. We never let in more than one a game. We were leaking fistfuls of goals early in the season, and that no longer applies. Um I don't care what way they play. We will play well enough and uh, cleverly enough to beat them. Well, that's it, isn't it? We mentioned this last week. You get the full feeling that Eddie Howe is all about don't worry about them, worry about us. Totally, totally. Is... And, and you've got to have some of that because the fear factor of... You can terrify sides. I mean, I always remember talking to Supermac and he played for England under Alf Ramsey and then he played for England under Don Revy. And Don Revy used to give him a dossier on the opposition two nights before the game. And Malcolm said, "If you, I read it the first time and after that I just used it as a doorstop. He said, you were terrified. If you read, they were all world beaters. They were all Madonna, Maradona. They were all uh, Cruyff. They were all... And you become terrified. Joe Harvey, when we won the European uh, First Cup, used to say, let them worry about us. If we get it right, they've got a problem. We shouldn't concentrate and go to bed making 
bright note, and we won't under anyhow, but making bright note to be superstars, we should go to bed making certain we do our game right. And if we do our game right, they've got problems. And not worry the other way on. Mm. And set up in that tremendous atmosphere at St James's Park. War flags, as you may have read on Chronicle Live, are going to go into yep. the East Stand. They're still going to be in the Leasers, which has been brilliant over the last few games. And, of course, in their home in the Gallagher. So if you are in the East Stand and you have a flag on your seat, please do pick it up and give it a wave. And, and just really let's get St James's Park to you know, the levels we know it all can be, a fantastic atmosphere. Don't take the flags home with you, though. That is the plea for more flags because we'll need them, or they'll need them, for the, the games to come at home um, afterwards. But please do get involved in the display. Um, I mean, Brighton, like we say, they've lost the last three, John. Mm. But away from home, they've actually got a very decent record. They've got a good record. They've only lost two they've on the road. But I'm just wondering what you think, how that tallies up. Obviously, they've lost the last three. You were thinking, you know, their manager wants a reaction. You, you couple that with the form Newcastle are in, top of the Premier League form table. Yeah. You know, unbeaten was it in six now. Um, you know, the last few results at home have been have been brilliant. I think they've won the last two and drawn the last two. Um, you know, they're, they're on a really good run of form. I just it, it's going to be really interesting to see how this one pans out because like I so say you've got Brighton who are very good away from from home but yet they are in a, in a kind of a downward spiral themselves when Newcastle are on the up this, this is mean, a game Newcastle can, can maybe run wild well you would like to think so they have been a jinx to us in the past as and we've said. That, yeah. they, they have been a jinx they've come up here four times in the Premier League and never lost two wins and two draws Brighton at Newcastle We've played them 11 times in the Premier League and never won. The five, six draws, five uh, for Brighton. They are last season, 3 0, 3 0. Mind that was last season. This is a different ball game. That was last season when we were with Steve Bruce. This is this season when we've got Big Dan Byrne, we've got Target, we've got a midfield that's rejuvenated, we've got Bruno on the leash, desperate to get off. Uh, we've got Fraser running himself into the ground. It's a total different ball game. But it isn't going to be as easy as we might suspect it's going to be. Uh, and we've got to be at it and at them right from the start and be relentless, as we have been recently. And I am confident... Um, as long as we don't believe in our own, uh, well, our own publicity too much. Again, that comes back to how we imagine Eddie Howe is on the training pitch and in the dressing room. Mm. He'll be saying, you know, great to have this momentum, great to have this confidence, but you're only as good as your last win. Absolutely. And it was interesting to hear him answer questions on, on Sir Alex Ferguson, who had praised him um, recently. And, and Eddie Howe said, you know, something along the lines of, and it's really nice to hear, but I'm kind of not bothered about that. I'm, I'm bothered about making sure we've got enough points to stay in the division, which is which is brilliant. I'm sure behind closed doors, he's you know he was taken aback maybe by Sir Alex's comments. But to say that out in the open, you know, it's all about the next game. It's what? all about the three points. And the danger signs are the day our jinx club to us. We've just yes. said their record, and the fact that there is a bit extra pressure on us to get three points because we are at home, because the games that are coming are all away. Mm. And it doesn't matter that we've now got a good away record, having won at Leeds and drawn at West Ham and won at Brentford. 
before that we had five months without a win on the road um, so we've got if if Newcastle only draw on Saturday we've suddenly got to go to Southampton and go to Chelsea and then go to Everton and they're all away so we want that cushion of the three points and I believe we'll get it uh, I do think we, we will win this game uh, and I do think we'll approach it the right way because I think these days we do yeah I mean and that's the key because we're, Newcastle only four points off the drop zone so oh. you know one or two results to, go against them it's all over yeah so, but again you get the feeling anyhow he gets that he knows that whereas previous managers after a few good results and I'm not just talking about Steve Bruce I'm talking about going back beyond that yeah it certainly gets to the head and you can see the players think, oh, we are unbeatable. Yeah. And it's a fine line from thinking, you know, we're confident here, we're happy, but then going into every game thinking we're going to win. It's a fine line and you get the feeling anyhow we'll be towing that ever so delicately, but getting the right balance, which is going to be sure. key, especially as you mentioned, sure. after this Southampton in good form, Chelsea, the, Everton. Oh, it, it, it's a tough old fixture to come, but we've got good grafters. I never thought I would say Fraser was a good grafter, but by Jove, he is. I mean, he, he wouldn't break into a sweat last season, but he grafts the midfield graft, um, the, the back target and burn, set the example, Shaw picks up on it, etc., etc. It, it is a different attitude that we're, we're bringing to the table now. And I'm... Um, I'm confident we'll get the result we want, but I want us to get it. We've got to get rid of the Brighton jinx and we've got to get three points before we go on the road. Mm. So Newcastle will get the three points, do you think? Yeah, I do. Yeah, me too. I think they will. I think it'll be a close game, but I think the atmosphere, the confidence, the momentum they've got, I think they will They will get uh, all three points. And just before we finish, I just want to ask you quickly, John, brilliant interview in The Athletic uh, by George Colkin speaking to Amanda Staveley and her husband, um, about the plans for Newcastle. Lots of excitement over what was said. Uh, I guess the key question I want, I want to ask you about is St James's Park and the fact that they're looking, by all accounts, to stay there and extend the stadium. And I think for many Newcastle United fans, that's the right decision. I know Sir John looked at moving to Leeser's Park and there was talk of other places like the Tamu and what have you. There's been talk about this time around potentially going where the current Newcastle Arena stands down by the Red Youth Bridge. But it looks like they'll stop at St James's Park. It'll be some task to extend it. The right decision, though, you would say? Without a shadow. I think the new owners have been very clever because they've done their homework with Newcastle United. Uh, and that is important because we had 14 years of total indifference from the boardroom to the feeling of fans. Mike Ashley couldn't care less what fans felt or didn't feel. He was ready to rename St James's Park. He never spoke to fans unless he was deep in trouble and he brought out his pet interviewer who didn't ask any awkward questions and just said sorry and then went back into his bunker. These communicate with the fans regularly all the time to take it aboard they know what the reaction was to the St James's Park situation they know it's the cathedral on the hill they know it's passion they don't want to risk that passion they want everybody on side we will communicate with the fans we will accept their wishes not this indifference like it's got nothing to I mean Ashley 
if he had owned the corner shop, when you come in to buy your paper in the morning, he would have said, oh, you up, come on, get a hold of it, off you go, and he would have the door locked. That's the way he treat customers. The, you don't treat customers, and and that is what these owners are. We've, they've got 50,000 customers coming in, and they're the lifeblood of the club. They, the lifeblood of a shop is not the owner, it's the people that come in and buy in that shop. And we're now being treated the right way, and we're hearing the right things, and the decisions are slowly... There's been sarcasm from outside about, are oh, the decisions are taking too long? It's a, it looks as though we've got the right manager in Eddie Howe. We're going to get the right director of football with the Brighton guy who's who's coming up here. The major decisions, we got the transfer market right in January and with much more time, etc., in the summer, we'll get it right again. We are moving in the right direction and we've got to continue to. Yes, mistakes will be made. Yes, we would have liked things to happen perhaps quicker than some of the decisions have, but they're proven to be right. And I am more than comfortable in my my old age to think the club I love is getting looked after now. And maybe it's getting cherished as much as I cherish it and as much as every other Geordie cherishes. And I say to that, it's about time. So all Evan Castanet fans ever wanted and obviously with the criticism, that's what I always go back to. They just wanted an owner to love the club as much as they do. And a wonderful way to finish there. Please do head over to chroniclelive.co.uk where we'll keep with it with all the latest Newcastle United news. We'll bring you Graham Potter's press conference, which is Thursday afternoon. We'll bring you Eddie Howe on Friday morning. And of course, live coverage of the game through our live blog and plenty of that great content as well. And once again, please do remember to like and follow the podcast through your podcast provider.